Now rocking with the best. Only two things can get you through this, man. Patience and persistence. Work harder than everyone. Be patient and just know that if you're gonna do something on your own, you're gonna have to feel some pain. You're only the boss if you put up your own money. If you don't put up your own money, I don't care how much somebody gives you. You're nothing but a supervisor. It's not yours. It, it takes fearlessness to be first. You know, to not move with a crowd, to move alone. I stopped living according to what people wanted me to do. I started living according to what actually made me happy. If you're not happy, change your life. Allow me to reintroduce myself. The Culture Talks Podcast with your host, Carlos Stutzer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's your boy, C-I-Double-Z-Y, you dig? Live action, Kansas City, Missouri. We are back with another episode of the Culture Talks podcast, the Culture Talks show, where we talk to diverse individuals across the diaspora, um, minority creatives, minority entrepreneurs, and we just talk to them about their life and try to pair some of their stories and their experiences with some business lessons and some life lessons that help you guys out. So again, thank you guys for popping on the show and listening today. And with that being said, we do have a new guest. And like I tell you guys every week, every month of every year, I'm going to come back with the fire guest. And here I am again with the fire guest by the name of Drew. Drew Montgomery, say what's up to the people. What's popping? What's good? What's good, everyone? This is Drew speaking. Excited to be a part of the podcast. Major vibes, major vibes. Now, what I want you guys to do right now is I want you to guess where Drew is from. Based <laughs> off of the accent you just heard, he probably annoyed already. Like, man, shut up. But, but, but based off the accent you just heard, I need y'all to go ahead and guess where he's from. Whoever comments, you know, in the comment section on Apple Reviews or, or on Spotify or on this Instagram video when you see it, I'll get y'all some type of gift. Maybe one of the Culture Talks tees. All right. Well, with that being said, man, thank you for popping on the show today. You know, I told you a little bit before we hopped on the recording that I'm just appreciative that you took your time out today to, you know, chop it up with me. You know, we're we're able to, um, through the blessing of technology, communicate um, cross cross states, cross seas. I mean, we just cross, you know, border lines. But either way, it's a it's a blessing, and I just want to say thank you one more time before we jump in today. For sure. You're welcome. You're welcome. Definitely glad to be a part of the movement. Um, a lot of the things that you're doing are already aligned with what I try to do just through being in the field and stuff. So excited to be a part of the podcast. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. So I want to start with, you know, the question that I just asked the people to answer. Where are your, let's say, cultural or ethnic roots? Where's your family from? Where are your parents from? Talk a little bit about your upbringing and your culture. Yeah, um, so if you can't, if you haven't already picked up, I'm originally from Kingston, Jamaica, born and raised. Um, I'm actually currently based in Toronto, but I moved here when I was about 16. Um, both parents, Jamaican, um, both parents were around. Um, I, I lived pre um, predominantly with, 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 with my mom growing up. Um, my dad was just out there getting it, but he was always around. Um, pretty big family. I have a lot of siblings. <laughs> um, six sisters, one brother. Um, I did the equivalent of elementary school. So in Jamaica, I went to prep school. Um, I did um, high school in Jamaica as well. Um, there's a little bit of difference probably between both Canada and the States. Um, so high school actually starts from grade seven um and goes all the way up to grade 13 um but i left actually after grade 11 and then i came to um canada i did my last year so grade 12 um in in canada um yeah both parents were there both parents are pretty much entrepreneurs um, my mom's a lawyer my dad's a businessman um they always kind of encouraged me to kind of think outside the box um and i guess we'll probably get into this later but um, that's one of the reasons why I'm even a designer right now, because like generally like Caribbean households, um, they try to kind of push you towards traditional career paths, you know, lawyer, doctor, that type of vibes. But um, my dad mainly, my mom was always kind of supportive of what my dad was saying as well, um, but mainly just like pushed entrepreneurship and thinking outside of the box and push like tech from early that type of stuff so that's that's kind of like 
some of the inceptions of how I ended up in 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 design. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's talk about you know the transition from Jamaica to to Toronto at kind of a later stage of teenagehood. You know, sometimes people move from wherever they might be from. Like my family's from Tanzania, from East Africa. I know okay. a lot of the guests we've had on have been from different places like South Asia or or you know other islands in in in, in the in the southern areas of of, of the world and um they moved here when they were younger you know five mm -hmm. six seven years old so talk about the experience of transitioning at such a later stage where you've already developed a lot of things um a lot of characteristics that you would carry on with you into adulthood so what was that like what was that like you know meeting a whole bunch of new people and adjusting to maybe a slightly different lifestyle um honestly it was pretty good i think so one of the things that probably made the transition easier is that i was coming here um so my dad was already here i was coming here from like a young age so i was coming here for like um like summers and then towards the later stage like 12 13 summers and and um winters so in terms of like being here like i was kind of a little a little bit familiar with the place um so it wasn't like uh, I didn't have like culture shock or anything. I think also like my personality. Um, I just try to make the most of of um, most of where I am. I, I I don't know if I'd say like I'm really outgoing, but like I I'm not an introvert either. Um, so I think I assimilated pretty well. I think one of the things that I think about even when I'm gonna like raise my kids is like where would I raise my kids? I feel like. Um, having your kids raised in an environment where they see people like them being successful and stuff like that. So for example, growing up in Jamaica, you see like other Jamaicans, but like predominantly black Jamaicans doing things like being successful, right? Whereas um, in other, like like in North America, you don't necessarily see those examples as much. Um, so I feel like growing up in Jamaica, um, I was able to kind of develop a sense of self um, and like understand that, okay, it's not abnormal for like a black person to be successful. I think that's one of the, one of the key things. So like developing a great sense of self, I think like in my experience, um, a lot of people are sometimes like, like lost because they're like bombarded with all the negative imagery on like um, social media or, or just media in general, seeing like negative images of like, or like black stereotypes that affects how people are raised um, in countries that are not predominantly black. Um, so I think it was beneficial for me to kind of transition later in life. Um, I didn't really ex experience any culture shock. I think I assimilated pretty, pretty easily. Um, so I think it was beneficial at least, for me at least um, to come at a later stage. But I know people who had like not so great experiences like transitioning later in life as well so it could go both ways i hear you and i i'm, I'm very happy that you share what you just shared because it, it kind of comes back to the root of why i started this podcast why i started the t-shirts um you know the culture talks is supposed to be about or or vov the voices of value is supposed to be about you know individuals from minority you know backgrounds that really didn't get to see people or haven't at this current stage in their life seen many people that look like them succeeding or being successful or being in careers like design or being in careers like web development or being in careers like, you know, real estate or, or, or whatever it might be. And, and so the goal of this podcast was to bring people on the show who have found some sort of success in these different fields to help, you know, younger people feel like they can also do that or feel like they can also strive for something different than being a rapper or a basketball player right so um i'm really glad you shared that because it shows the the diversity of of you know lifestyle or or thought processes from across the globe you know people who grow up in jamaica or people who grow up in tanzania all they're seeing of, of course we can, we see american tv over there too but a lot of what they're seeing the celebrities, the, the the personalities that they pay attention to, the people who are doing real estate or who have insurance businesses or who are building websites for, for the government are people from their country or people from the area. So they look like them and they know that 
there's more opportunities than just being an athlete or a musician, right? Which is typically, at least in the States, in my experience with my friends, typically all that people see and expect to be success for, for somebody that is of, you know, a darker skin tone or of, of a blessed melanin, you feel me? So, so I really like you, I, I really like you sharing that, you know, because that shows that, you know, you had a different experience uh, than, than some other people may have had that, that was beneficial um, to you in a way. So that was dope. I'm glad you shared that. Um, so let's talk about the culture in Toronto, you know, because the funny thing is, if you listen to at least me being American and like, you know, just being American. So um, if you listen to the accents of like certain people from Toronto, certain areas of Toronto and like the slang and the same thing with, you know, UK culture and how UK culture has been blowing up right now, there's a lot of similarities. And I think it all stems from Jamaica or from that area and the, 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 the language and the twang and the slang. I think, I think a lot of the roots come from Jamaica. Am I correct? You know, can you talk a little bit about that and the culture that you see in Toronto or, you know, the things that we're seeing portrayed on TV now that Drake is hyping up UK culture <laughs> and hyping up, you know, the culture that he grew up around in Toronto. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, Jamaican influence within both Toronto and London. Um, that stems from like the, the migration after like independence. So in London specifically, I know um, after independence, a lot of Jamaicans migrated there. Um, and then towards like later, later years, um, a lot of Jamaicans migrated here. I think like Jamaicans are like, they basically make their presence known. So a lot of the a lot of the the language and the slang that comes out of um, like specifically inner cities um, is is heavily heavily Jamaican influenced, and then it like takes on a life of its own, ba like based on on the city that it's in. Um, so in that sense, there's a lot of similarities um, in 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 the lingo both both here and and in London. So um, there's definitely a lot of Jamaican influence here. Um, in terms of Toronto specifically, the culture is pretty multicultural. Um, so there's people from all over. Um, it's definitely not as much of a melting pot at like as like it seems from the outside looking in. Mm, um, def <laughs> yeah, we definitely experience a lot of um, like not as overt racism, but covert racism. So people are a lot um, like me, myself, my friends, like we've all experienced like um, like racism here. Um, but that being said, it is a great like I, I feel like those things can happen wherever you are. Um, it's definitely, like I'd recommend it as somewhere to live. I definitely enjoy living here, um, but it definitely doesn't come with, it's not like a bed of roses that like a lot of people from the outside looking at me think. Um, there's a lot of great food here. The summers here are great. Um, me specifically, I enjoy the winters as well. I do a lot of winter sports, specifically skiing. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, um, it's a great, it's great, it's a great city to be in. Um, because of the mix of cultures, because of like food specifically, when I think about cities, I think about food is one of the main things that draws me to cities. Um, and the, a lot of the people definitely do intermingle, even though, as I mentioned, there's still those challenges that any person that looks like us can probably relate to. Right. And that's, it's funny because we like definitely from the outside looking in and especially recently in the past few years, people definitely look at Toronto as like this massive melting pot. So it's interesting to hear your perspective. Also, it's funny because I've had three other guests from Toronto, all of different backgrounds. I had a uh, Pollyanna Reed. She's, she's a, I don't remember what she said her family's background was, but you know, a beautiful black sister that came on here and talked a lot about business. Definitely suggest listeners to go check that episode out. And of course you as well, my guy. <laughs> uh, and then sure. I have my guy, uh, Branova, who I believe is, he's, I think he's of South Asian descent, but I can't remember exactly where, but also from Toronto, also a marketing guy out of Toronto. So so it's been dope having different people on from over there and hearing all of you guys' perspectives about the city. But one thing everyone says is they love the food. So <laughs> I'll definitely have to slide out there to taste a few things. Um, I did want to ask though, skiing, my guy, how'd you get into skiing? Um, <laughs> so back when, like I was mentioning, I used to come here like towards like the, the like my adolescent years, 12, 13. That's when I started coming in the winters because that's what my father 
thought that okay we could handle the call um and like for him he always like we did a lot we always did a lot of activities we traveled a lot um and then for me i just like trying new things so um i remember the the like the first time we ever went skiing he took us to some resorts and i started skiing like on the, the learn to ski then they had us on like the baby slopes and I was like, yo, this is too small. Then I started to go on the big, big slopes. <laughs> um, and then I enjoyed it so much. He actually gave me like a, like he left, everybody went in and left me on the slopes and he told me to come in at a certain time. And I didn't come in <laughs> at that time. He had to come out and come get me. I don't remember if it was like nine o'clock or something and I was out there till like the lifts closed. <laughs> um, and he came out. So I, I learned then, like, and I just really enjoyed it. Like from the first time doing it, um, so from then like a winter hasn't really passed without me doing it um i've been to like a bunch of different mountains i've been to whistler that's in um that's in out in like bc vancouver area um i've been to mont Blanc. but it's just it's just something that like i really enjoy so it's kind of ironic that i'm i'm from jamaica but i love skiing but <laughs> yeah and i know this isn't skiing but i'm not gonna lie the first thing that popped in my head is that a uh, bobsled movie you know what i'm talking about <laughs> Like, <laughs> yep immediately my my little niece she watches it like once a week bro like once a week it's crazy so that's that's dope man that's dope uh i did want to ask though you know speaking of early interests like skiing what were some other early interests early hobbies that you got into you know during your adolescence before you started moving towards design and moving towards that that which we'll get to here shortly but what were some of your early interests whether it was physical and sport or whether it was you know chess whatever it might have been so what were some of your early interests um so i had like a, i play a lot of sports so um i used to play cricket um i played tennis i used to swim i think those are some of like the, the sports that i used to do a lot um me and my friends used to throw parties back in the day um so like high school in jamaica um yeah, I think, and I was always like, uh, I, I was always designing in some form or another. So I had a computer pretty early. Um, I used to do flyers. I remember me and my sister used to like print a bunch of different stuff, like just random stuff on Wikipedia and do our own thing with them and sell them in school. Um, so I had, a, I was always around a computer. So I always um, just like playing around with stuff on the computer. Um, I did technical drawing in high school, which I really enjoyed. Um, my undergraduate degrees in architecture and economics. Um, so I was always like kind of drawn to like computers and design in some way. Um, and I've always been extremely physical. I love also like outdoor stuff. So I love <laughs> riding sea doos. I like riding quads. Like I, I love like just outdoorsy stuff. So active life, yo. Sound, yo, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is it just me or does 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 Drew sound like a very very entertaining person to hang out with? I feel like everybody should be hitting him, throw him a thousand dollars for for a tour guy when you get to Toronto. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I do. Oh, I like to cook as well too. So and I love eating. So okay, okay. First, what's your go-to meal? If somebody was to no, no, no. I got you. Let me set it up. And all right. So, you know, no disrespect if you already have a lady or not, but either way, say a lady pulls up. She's like, yo. Like we should have dinner and you're like, oh, I'm gonna cook for you. What what are you gonna cook? What's the first thing you're gonna make? Okay, okay. I'll probably I'll probably whip up like a surf on turf. So like uh okay. you know, <laughs> like a, like a steak with a lobster tail and you know, some oh, mashed shit. potatoes and some mixed veggies. <laughs> yeah, that's on fire. Sheesh. Hey, y'all heard that. Y'all heard that. Y'all need to pay the man. Every time when you get in Toronto, find this man on Twitter, DM him, offer him a thousand dollars to 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 cook. And take you on quads and go skiing you know what i'm saying it sounds like a fun life but that's what's up brother i love to hear that uh, you know you're out here active living life to the fullest and not letting any time pass you by you know being boring and mundane so that's super dope man um so you mentioned that you got your undergraduate in architecture and what was it like economics okay dope and what school did you end up going to like when you finished high school your last year in uh high school in canada or in toronto like where what was your mind like what it, what made you decide what you were going to study or where you were going to go yeah um so in terms of so I, I had like when i looked for schools it was just all schools that offered architecture and um and 
in Ontario. So I, I applied to Ryerson University, University of Toronto, University of Waterloo. Um, but then I ended up going to University of Toronto because it's in Toronto. <laughs> um, and it's, 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 pro it's like the best school in Toronto. So that was an, another thing, but also because I wanted to be in Toronto. Um, so yeah, I went to University of Toronto. Um, in terms of like the decision behind that, um, honestly, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to be an architect, but I was like fascinated with design. Um, I, ideally, I wanted to be like a real estate developer, but I wanted to have, my rationale was, having um, an understanding of, of architecture and design and how the, the economics piece would be like the business piece and I'd kind of put those two together. So I really wanted to kind of just oversee and be a developer. So that was my rationale behind um, choosing those majors. Um, so, yeah. And is that still part of your goals? All right. So we do, we do know, you know, well, I know I haven't, we haven't shared yet, but you are a product designer, right? Correct. Correct. Perfect. And we'll jump right into that too. But um, like outside of that, is your, is your interest still lie, you know, somewhere in the future or right now, are you active in uh, real estate investing or developing or anything with, with the architectural industry on that side? What, 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 what is, what are the goals over the next five to 10 years in regards to the work you're doing and where you're trying to go? Yeah. Um, so definitely, I don't think I could put myself in a box. I'm an entrepreneurial spirit, definitely um, passed on from my parents. So I feel like like I'm loosely involved in like development projects, um, not to the scale that I want to be yet, but, um, but I do love product design. I feel like I'm at a stage where I'm investing and ultimately I just want to have like both different. Ultimately, I want an agency, and I want to be involved in like just having real estate investments. That's like ultimately everything. So I like, I do like being like a part of construction projects and stuff. But I have a lot of interest. That's one of the reasons why I'm like I'm, I'm a product designer because I'm able to kind of work on on whatever interests me, like whatever um, field or 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 um, project interests me. Like and wherever my head is at at that time, I can work on that. So that's definitely why I'm. Um, in the field I'm in, but I do feel like ultimately I'm gonna have like different revenue streams and obviously real estate will definitely be one of them. So of course, of course. And for people who don't know too much about design, um what exactly is product design? Some people might be like only familiar with what's popularized or what they see online, which is like, okay, I know graphic design and I know UX design and that's all I know. <laughs> so what is product design? Can you explain what type of projects you work on? What are some skills that are necessary? What exactly does life as a product designer look like? Okay, um, so I could start with like generally like the, the parallels that I draw to um, kind of give the average person an idea of what product design is. So I, I would say, like think of... Um, like an architect and uh and uh, like a building contractor right um so the architect does the des designs and the, the contractor the builder actually builds the the house um, so i think of the product designer as the person like designing like web applications um and or or uh, yeah web applications or, or mobile apps um or any digital product and then the think of like the software engineers as the builder or the developer that actually like brings that idea to life. Um, in terms of like a definition of product design, I would say um, it's creating digital products um, through an like through an, a foundational by getting a foundational understanding of the people that are going to be using those products, and then kind of um, marrying those user needs to the business goals. So that would be like uh, a, a sort of definition I would give it. Ultimately, it. it's about like kind of de-risking going to market with 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 a digital product from a business side. Okay, so basically, like you know, and I'm I'm getting kind of this thought because I did check out your website. One of the things I saw you do, at least with the fitness company that you worked with, um, that was creating a digital app to I think like an exercise library, if I'm remembering correct. Mm -hmm. Um, and you created like a uh you created an avatar, you created a, 
I forgot what her name was, Rebecca or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of broke down what she was interested in doing, what some of her issues were, what some of her challenges were. Can you kind of break down the process of how you created that and why you created that? Like, you know, uh, maybe reference exactly what I'm talking about, you know, mm -hmm. Rebecca from your website. Why did you create that outline and how does that help you bring a product to life? Yeah, um, I guess so to, to kind of also get into a part of the question that you asked earlier, like the difference between like product design versus graphic design. Um, I think like product design encompasses like a lot of, of, of um, different skills. So like anthropology, psychology, like an understanding of people. Um, ultimately, it's, it's like truly understanding people and then building something that addresses what their needs are. Um, so in terms of the, the persona that was Rebecca in that project that you're talking about um basically a persona kind of encompasses like all the insights that you get from um from user research so for that specific project um I con conducted user interviews um so based on talking to users from the target audience that um that the app was for um gathered insights based on on the feedback that they gave based on the questions that they were asked um, and then after like extracting those insights, building a persona to um, to as the as the, the 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 foundation of the design decisions. So personas basically help you to kind of um, understand or like empathize with the person that you're designing the product for. Um, and what that helps you to do is like not do things from your perspective. So it, it helps you to keep the the mm -hmm. The person that's going to be using the application in mind right so right um everybody has has some sort of bias like even if you're not a designer you know what bias is so people have like their preconceived beliefs so bias actually affects the like your work as a designer so it kind of helps to mitigate that bias so that you're not imposing your thoughts on on the design you're designing for the person who's um who's who's going to be using the product I love that. I love that because I think that translates across so many industries. I think a few people that have came on the show have just talked like for marketing and and uh, branding certain products or their businesses. Like too many times people try to think about what they think somebody mm -hmm. would feel or no, people aren't going to feel like this or when they go to the store, they're not going to feel like this. So like, no, that's how you feel, but how others might feel. So I like how you how how you go about that. And I feel like people should run that back. You know, if you're listening to this episode right now, especially if you're trying to get into marketing or trying to get into design or trying to even just in general, build a business, which covers a lot of different things, design, branding, marketing, um, to think about that. Think about it, not from your perspective and your personal biases, but from who your target audience is and figure out how to create a persona. I would suggest you guys go actually check out Andrew's website and go look at what he did right there, because I'm sure there's a way that um, individuals out there can kind of take that same idea and flip it and use it for their business in their industry. So definitely run that part back and listen to that again. I thought that was really dope when I was, you know, checking that out on your website. Um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I feel like um, people generally think of like product and user experience design as specifically targeted to digital products, but the um, some of the methodologies and, and the principles that we use and that guide or, or or design decisions can definitely be used to anything in life basically so and particularly when you're um when you're working on a business so a lot of the concepts about understanding people and what their their needs are and what their the what their like frustrations are and stuff like that understanding that can help you to kind of address those 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 um issues that they may have with solutions so the user experience definitely encompasses things outside of just digital products. Yeah, and and running it back to to before we even started talking about product design itself, what exactly made you choose product design? There's so many different types of design. I mean, even me myself, I'm kind of thinking about maybe potentially a career change right now. So I'm looking at both software, you know, development, and then also looking at, you know, the design portion or UX, UI design. But then I, I contacted a few friends who are already in design and successful positions and are tenured, you know, some of my, 
I guess you could say mentors. I don't know if friends is the right thing for somebody that's 50 or 60 years older than me, but either way, um, I uh, contacted them and, you know, they were sharing so many different, you know, uh, sections of design, sectors of design. How did you end up on product design? I mean, I know you 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 went to school for, for architecture and economics, but during your time in university and during your time, maybe you did internships or maybe you were just trying to navigate where you want, what direction you wanted to go in design. How did you end up there? How did you end up in product design? Yeah, um, honestly, um, I kind of, so even though like, I've, as, as I mentioned, I've always been doing some sort of design, um, how I got introduced to product design specifically was probably by accident. So I was, um, I was like coding and stuff. And then I wanted to kind of formalize like my coding education, like through a bootcamp. Um, so like, I, I was like building small websites and building small applications using code. Um, and then I started looking into like one of the bootcamps, like I was looking across all the bootcamps to kind of decide where like which one I was gonna take. Um, and then I started getting emails like because once you like sign up for like the packages and stuff just to see and see their like the curriculum to make a um like make a, a decision based on that, they start sending you a bunch of emails. So I remember Brain Station specifically was the one that I saw. Um like that's where I ever the first thing I ever saw, like first place I ever saw UX design. And I was just like, what is this? Like, <laughs> I'm naturally curious. Um, so I started looking into it. And, and then I noticed they had like an info session, um, which I signed up for. So like after looking to, into it, I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm like interested in this assault school. It's design. And based on what I'm reading, it's, it's like, it's something that interests me. Um, so then I actually went to the brain station info session and it was like an interactive session. So like, you were we weren't building us but there were like there was little tasks that we had to do and like answer questions uh, around like product design so when i left that session i'm like okay well, this is something i'm going to do <laughs> like um, i'm really interested in so i started doing additional research um and then it just honestly like how i ended up going in that direction it, like after doing all my research and stuff i just realized that it kind of aligned with like everything i, I kind of want and like my lifestyle so I'll give you like a one, like a, probably like a list of stuff. So one of the first things is like, I love design. So, so that was the first thing. Um, I wanted to, at the time I wanted to like be able to do something that I could also make money of outside of my nine to five job. So that was another thing. Um, I want in terms of um, another thing is, was um, like representation. So like being like being in a field where like I can, um, like others can see me, they can understand that just from me being in the field, like that might motivate them to take that step that they need. Um, so that was something that's big to me. I think like also being from Jamaica, being able to like work in a field where you can actively work on products that kind of address specific issues that, that you're like concerned about. So um, no, there's like, like, like the tech scene is kind of accelerating in Jamaica, but there's like a lot of talented people in Jamaica that could be doing what I'm doing right now, but they just don't have access to those opportunities. Um, so being able to like work on things that kind of bridge that gap and like help make technology more accessible is another thing. Um, another thing I do is like, like I'm passionate about like mentoring and, and stuff. Like before I got into product design and still know like I used to tutor like um, underprivileged kids in coding. Um, so that was something I was really passionate about, just exposing people that look like me basically um so other ideas that they, they may not have ever thought about so just like what you're talking about like there's nothing wrong with being a basketball player or a <laughs> or a rapper but the like as with anything there's like you have to have like an extremely hard work ethic um and quite frankly like not everybody's meant to to um become a successful rapper become a successful um a successful ball player so i think like introducing people to ideas that they may have never heard about but you can make a living and definitely um like make a great living like um, exploring those avenues specifically creative avenues that like their parents may have never heard of and stuff like that so that was one of the things as well 
Um, so it's, and then I, I, as I said also, I like working on different things. So I have a lot of interests, obviously. Um, from 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 the conversation, you can tell like I love doing a lot of different things. Um, so that was another thing. So, so being able to kind of um, work on on a bunch of, of of different things, and I like being challenged as well. So it just basically encompassed like all my interests. Love it. I love it. And speaking of being challenged, you know, a lot of people when they're thinking about getting into an industry, <clears throat> they always look up the the beautiful things about it. You know, all the benefits. <laughs> the, the the money the 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 lifestyle they watch a tv show about it they watch some silicon valley or something and they just start seeing all the 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 glory right where they don't actually take too much time to invest in you know understanding the challenges of that position or that career field so could you kind of touch on maybe two or three challenges that that you faced as a product designer or that you continually face that sometimes make you be like, whoo, I'm tired of shit today. Or, you know, make you feel like, damn, I, I really chose this route. What are some really challenging aspects of being a product designer for those who might be thinking about going into the field? Mm -hmm. um, so I would say the first thing is a lot of people think it's an easy transition. Um, so I don't like, it's definitely possible, especially if you like, put your mind to it and you work towards it. Um, but it's also a lot of hard work, especially if you want to, um, if you want to be successful, if you want to work for great companies. I think um, a, a lot of people underestimate the amount of work it's gonna take to break in the field, especially if you don't have a design background. Um, I think one of the advantages I had was having a design background. Um, so I'd say that's, that's number one. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with like how like institutions, I don't want to call out any, any particular institutions specifically, but how institutions sell the idea of getting into UX. Um, and then coupled with that, a lot of people don't like do enough research and I guess self-evaluation and aren't self-aware enough to know if, okay, this is something that is for them. Um, I think so those two things together make people think it's easier to get into the field than it is. Um, I think too, a lot of your work in the field is not actively designing anything. It's about like um, building personal relationships and dealing with stakeholders <laughs> um, and where you may understand the value of design as a designer. Um, a lot of the people that you're working with day to day do not. Um, and part of your job is to convey the value of design through your work. Um, I think sometimes depending on the people that you're working with, that can be, not just the people, I think sometimes maybe the institution as well, is not as design centered as you want it to be as a designer. Um, so I think that I like the fact that you have to keep selling, um, the value of design and, and selling your ideas and kind of defending your ideas can be challenging. Um, like I, I personally don't necessarily have a problem with it. I think um, <laughs> that's part of, 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 of what I really should have about um, being in design is just like being able to show people the value of design. Um, but it can be challenging, especially if you're coming into the, into the, the field just expecting to just design. Um, and then thirdly, um, I would say it's challenging, like just being a minority in design. So like being on teams where you don't necessarily see people that look like you, being on teams where, um, where like people might not think your ideas are valid because you don't look like them because there's a like a sort of status quo about the culture. Um, and a lot of times people like, you have to like work twice as hard to kind of prove yourself um, just because people have biases that, that they live with that kind of affects how they perceive you. I think that could be something that's challenges as well, challenging as well. Um, definitely not like on the specific, like those challenges are there on a specific team. I'm on team is pretty great. Um, but I think anybody, especially minorities coming in to the field should know that they're just going to have to work twice as hard. Um, 
so those I, I think those are, those are the three things amazing amazing and and touching on what you just touched on i did a little bit of research about product designers um and they and the industry itself and something i came across was for 2020 you know per usual per most careers in the the western hemisphere <laughs> um mm. the larger percentage of people in almost any industry except sports <laughs> is uh is typically you know white folk which is okay shout out to white folk but um i did see that black or african americans only cover about 1.5% of of the industry in regards to product design now per usual that's something we see across a lot of industries so i feel like it's just it's it's such an interesting topic to think about, but also so dope to think that there's people like yourself who are getting into this field, not only for their own interests, but also because they understand the benefits. Um, they also understand how fun it might be in certain situations and they understand the impact that they can have on certain situations. And so they get into it to be a source of inspiration to other young people, um, you know, of, 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 of you know, a minority backgrounds who can you know potentially be inspired to get into these industries to increase these percentages from 1.5 to maybe 15, maybe 20. You know, so that's really dope um, that you that you mentioned that and shared that. Um, I, one other thing that I did think was cool though, um, in regards to just minority populations, is that whether these statistics are completely correct or not, I did see that they discovered that about almost 25% of product designers are women. And around 68 are are uh, are men, and I thought that was dope because that's you know that's a pretty large percentage of 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 women, and I always think it's dope to see women represent women re women representation in uh, industries that you may not have expected it in. So that's super dope. Um, yeah, I think um, I think this is just my personal opinion. I never like <laughs> done any deep digging on it, but I feel like women are more empathetic than men mm. um and i think one of the things that uh, not just empathetic but like more compassionate as well um i think what makes great product designers is like one of the the, the fundamental i guess skills that you need to do is to be able to understand people and i think um a lot of the women that i've encountered like are <laughs> the better of the product designers and i think that's one of the reasons for that as well. I love that. I love that. That's a super, super dope and important insight to think about. I mean, I agree. And I feel like anybody who takes a moment of consideration in their life to think about the women around them can probably agree that women tend to be a little bit more empathetic and compassionate and understanding what skill sets you have naturally and uh, understanding what skill sets you have the ability to develop as well are important in regards to deciding what career you're going to go into. So any women that are listening right now, maybe product design is something to look into if you're thinking if you're just trying to find a career and you're trying to think where you might go might be something to look into so that's super dope um i did want you to share what do you think are you just shared two but what do you think are maybe two more character traits that are necessary or skills that are necessary to be a great product designer mm -hmm. um i think you have to be comfortable with ambiguity. Um, so, and I don't know if this is the correct term to describe like a lot of what we do, but like a lot of times you're building things that um, don't exist. Um, and you're starting with like just a bunch of requirements and no like clear direction. Um, so I think being able to create something tangible out of not thin air, but out of it not existing before. Um, a lot of people probably get like overwhelmed when they don't have like a structured path to follow or, or structured um, directions. So I think that's something that's definitely important is being able to be comfortable with ambiguity. Um, and definitely like critical thinking. Um, so like there's a lot of like hard problems that you have to solve um there's a lot of like aligning of 
or like back and forth of what's best for the business or what's best for the, the person using this product. I think um, a lot of times as designers, we forget that we're operating within a business context. So yes, you want to um, you want to advocate for the people that are using your products, but also you have to understand that it has to be like um, a driver of revenue um, for the business. Um, so being able to like kind of straddle those lines, um, you need a lot of, you need to be able to think critically um, also to like solve both business and, and user problems that are, that are, um, that exist. Um, so I'd say like those are two other characteristics. Um, I think to kind of cap that off and to kind of add to the, to, to what we we're talking about in the previous question, like a lot of your work is, has nothing to do with design, like <laughs> nothing to do with like pixel pushing. Um, and I think that's what a lot of people think about when they think of design. Um, definitely you need to have the hard skills. <laughs> um, so don't, <laughs> so don't, 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 don't neglect the hard skills, but a lot of your work is, is, is going to be like design strategy and dealing with stakeholders and, and things that have nothing to do with actually working in Figma. Um, so yeah. Love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So I have two final questions for you on the topic of design. Um, before we do a little walkthrough to provide some quote unquote extreme value for people who might be interested in getting into product design. So um, number one is what are two things you wish you knew or two areas of focus you wish you would have focused on before getting into product design? What are things you wish you knew before getting into the industry or uh, two, two areas of focus you wish you focused on more while getting into the industry? Mm -hmm. um, I definitely think like design strategy and product thinking um, are, are things. So like for, for the people listening that may not understand, just um, understanding like business goals more than than I did before I came in. Like I had experience like in terms of family business and stuff like that. So I think back to like it product design being aligned with like my already existing skills. I think understanding the importance of of um like strategy and, and business goals within the context of design. Um and let me see if I can think of a second thing that I wish I knew. Um I think just like being comfortable with like failing. Um, so like I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but I think in design, like you have to be prepared to like to, to fail and like learn from your mistakes. And that ultimately leads to, to better um, products. And that comes back to like letting the people that you're building these products are kind of help you to um to tailor the product to them so one thing specifically in design we do a lot of like user testing on on the products that we're building again <laughs> it doesn't matter what your personal preference is as a designer um you're using that feedback to to, to, to kind of drive your design decisions um and it's pretty interesting to like being testing sessions and you think you had a, a design nailed down and then you just see people that struggling to, 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 um, to use your design, right? Um, so I think being comfortable with like, like failure and just being able to learn from, from your mistakes and not getting attached to your designs. Um, those are some things that I think would have been helpful. I think it's all a part of the journey as well. Um, so to get back to the actual question, I think, yeah, those are things that I would have wished that like was more comfortable with earlier, but those are also like some of those um, things as you go along your design journey, they make you a better designer because you're learning as you go along. Right? So I feel like you're going to be constantly learning, constantly evolving, and that's how you become better. So, Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for answering all those questions in such a such a great way. I think a lot of people who, you know, don't know anything about design or don't know anything about product design or might be interested in the career, or the industry, 
um, definitely could, could get value by running that back one more time for themselves. But one thing I do want to do um, is I want to walk through the process of, you know, these are just your suggestions. Obviously, this isn't this isn't going to be perfect or the only route to go, but I want you to, I want us together to break down how somebody can go from not being in the design world to being in the employed or freelancing and kind of just break down the process from, from zero, zero to zero to one. Right. So if somebody wants to learn product design right now, uh, they've never been in it before, but they want to learn it right now. Are you suggesting them go through a boot camp? Are you suggesting they learn on their own if they're good at learning on their own? Or are you suggesting them to go to university? What would obviously nothing's perfect, but I want you, you know, just drop your suggestion. And if you uh, don't mind, if you if you choose university or boot camp, maybe dropping a good option, regardless of where they live in the world. Mm -hmm. Um. So I I think. And a lot of people might not like it. All it all depends, right? So if you're if there's a lot of self-taught designers, there's designers that went to boot camps, there's designers that went to university, and all of them have their pros and cons, right? Um, so I think I can like I'll address it from that like that kind of angle. Um, so the thing that's great about universities, there's a structured environment. Um, a lot of being successful in design is about networking, right? So you'll develop great networks through university. Um, one of the, then I'll get into cons. So cons are like the cost of university obviously is pretty expensive. The time it takes to complete university is also a long time, right? And um, anybody that fam that's familiar with tech knows that like it's a fast, ever evolving um, industry, right? So you might go in and you're trying to learn some sort of standards um, and then by the time you're out, the standards are changing, right? Um, and then in, in the people that I know that have studied design in, um, in university, there's not a lot of, um, like there's a lot of theoretical work and concept work, but there's not like a lot of hands-on work. So um, that's, if you want to go to university road, that's what I'd have to tell you about that. Um, in terms of the self-taught roads, there's definitely a lot of self-taught designers out there. Um, I think with being self-taught, you have to um, be comfortable with like not having the structure of schools. Um, so you definitely can, can become a designer through the self-taught route. Um, and I know boot camps get a lot of bad rep. Um, I think obviously if you have a design background, like boot camps can give you like the, um, the fundamentals and the, and the understanding of, like the thought process of designers. Um, so I think, for people that have a design background, maybe a bootcamp is, is a good um is a good is a good route as well. I think um bit like before you even choose the avenue that you want to go down, like you need to be self-aware. So you need to understand um first of all, is design right for you? Does it align with like your values? Does it align with your skills? Um, obviously anything can be learned. So if you have the drive to learn, then 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 that's fine, jump in. Um, but understanding yourself and understanding your values and what you want out of a career um, and, is, and, and, and then doing your research to see if product design aligns with that. Um, that's the first thing you need to do before you make a choice. Then understanding your learning habits. Um, so I personally went to a boot camp. Um, I went to Career Foundry. Um, I think it's great. But I also had a design background, right? So my my um my journey is not necessarily the typical journey of like the majority of people that go through boot camps um so as i said being self-aware understanding what your values are and then seeing if product design aligns with that and then understanding your learning habits um but whether whichever route you choose i think um one thing that's in, like a couple of things that are important is getting mentors and coaches um so people that are in yeah, how can people do that so if you were if you were say somebody is going through the educational process whether that's self-taught university or through a boot camp um say they finish or they're about to be finished how would you say what, what are some suggested routes of finding mentors are you telling them to research on linkedin twitter hashtags how how, how, do, how can somebody go about finding a mentor in the field outside of you know a professor at their school mm -hmm. So there's a couple of different ways. Me personally, people reach out to me all the time and I'm always willing to um, 
I'm always willing to kind of like share what I know. Um, I think so what I can talk from my, my experience and what I'd suggest people do is like look to your personal me- um, network. So you might have people who are in product design that um, that you will know personally or you're like one degree or two degrees of separation away from that person. So for example, all right, so I have a friend that, uh, that basically took the same path as me, <laughs> went to the same schools in Jamaica, both um, elementary school and high school, uh, went to U of T together. He lives in Canada. Um, anybody that knows me and that's watching this video know who I'm talking about. But he knew he was connected with somebody. Um, he's a lot more sociable than me. So, so he, he like, he'll make friends more than me. Um, but he was connected to the brother of somebody who also went to our high school, but they were like a couple of years ahead of us. Um, so when I was looking, like, I could, he coincidentally just posted a post on LinkedIn. And I basically hit up my boy, let him know, yo, connect me with this guy. Um, and me and that guy talk every day now. And that guy happens to be like a, 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 the head of design and research at one of the biggest companies um, in Canada. So like, just have, I just had genuine conversations with him. He was obviously really helpful as well. Um, but like reaching out to people in your personal network. So that's somebody who's in my network who happens to be somebody who's like high up on the design ladder. And we end up talking every day. We're pretty close in age, but he got into this like product design specifically a lot earlier than I um, I did. Um, but like that was something that was really instrumental in kind of getting me to where I am. Um, there, so as I said, reach out to your personal network. You never know who's in the network. You just have to go and do the work. Um, there's um, there's ADP list. Um, so that's amazing um, design people, I think. Um, so that's Felix Lee's like platform where you can set up calls with mentors there um reach out to people just engaging in different communities so like i know clubhouse is not as buzzing as it was before but like there was a lot of great design conversations going on there uh, there's twitter spaces there's like just putting yourself out there so engaging on on twitter um i was in a lot of slack groups when i was breaking into design and just like being not afraid to to um to just message people and be genuine right um and then like develop relationships that way. So like, as I said, I'll, um, I'm not like that social of a person. I don't really like reaching out to people, but I kind of just bit the bullets and did it on my own by reaching out to these people. And then I developed some great relationships. Actually, yeah. and yeah, so so per, another thing about personal networks, like one of my friends who I went to, well, I was in high school with here in, in, in Canada has a design agency. And that's all of that is just coincidences, right? So you never know who, who um, in your network. So start with your personal network, see who is there that's a designer and knows a designer. Um, join Slack groups, engage on Twitter, like follow design leaders, like people in, design, in the design community generally are, um, are pretty helpful. And yeah, I'd say ADP list is, is also pretty big. When I start, when I was breaking into design, ADP list did not exist. So <laughs> that's, typically right? how, that's typically how it goes. Some really yeah. necessary resources pop up after you already passed that, uh, after you already passed that level, but I love it. Yeah. So, so you have three options for education. You can self-teach yourself you and go through a boot camp, or you can go to university, whatever option you choose, just make sure you're self-aware of what you're really good at and what, what feeds to your natural abilities. Once you choose one of those and you finish, you know, your baseline education, cause like you said, it's a constant, uh, and, you know, constant learning process when you get into design, but say you get your basic foundation skills, now build out your network and start building out your network while you're going through the educational process as well. So you can do this through the ADP list. You can do this through um, Twitter groups, uh, through LinkedIn, through Facebook groups, um, especially right. Facebook groups, Slack groups. Um, you just can type in on Google, uh, product design, Slack groups, product design, Twitter, Twitter family, yeah. like, and just do that and then go and connect and follow these people and interact in the conversations and ask questions. Okay. So number three, what, um, let's say, what, what would you suggest for somebody who's new? Would you suggest them immediately right off trying to start freelancing or would you suggest they go and seek out employment? Um, I know neither are perfect, um, but just maybe your specific preference. Um, and then how would they do that? Whatever one you would suggest, how would they, go about say they if they decide to go into freelancing how what's the first step to to getting your first client and if they decide to 
get employment, you know, how, how should one go about doing that? Yeah, so um, so that's kind of a catch-22 as well. But um, I would say it, that's pretty similar to, like, developing your network. So um, there, there's also, like, slack, some sort of answer is going to be pretty similar to before. Like, there's slack groups where people are always looking for work. Um, I think I would say try and um, engage with a personal network or go, like, there's Upwork. There's, like, I've gotten work off Upwork. I've gotten work from people in my personal network that led to other work. Um, so my journey, I started out freelancing and then those projects helped me to land like a full-time role. Um, I think another, like right now the demand for designers is very high. I think um, like as long as you work on your craft and you have something to show, I think the best managers, whether or not you've, like been actively designing like they can look at your work whether it's concept work or or um like any work that you have and they can talk to you and understand like get an idea of how you think and i think the best managers like are willing to give depending on their specific scenario within their specific team they're willing to give like good designers who don't necessarily have like a lot of experience a chance and then you can you can um develop your design skills that way but i started out but like a lot of people don't like doing free work I don't necessarily advise that if I'm working on projects, I uh, like I'll pay people out of pocket to do the work. Um, but I personally did like free work, <laughs> design work, because I knew what my end goal was and to develop my skills and to get some like experience under my belt. And then that free, like I did the free work to the best of my ability. And that led to people referring me to others who referred me to others. And like I generally just kind of go above and beyond like when I'm working and like I'm just a naturally hard worker. Um, but there's there's different ways like I can't remember some of the sites off the top but if anybody wants to know they can just reach out to me on Twitter because um, I have a list I just don't have it on hand but there's sites that you can go that, that people are always looking for like designers um, try hackathons there's like not for profits that are always looking for um, for people to work on their stuff and they can't get designers um, like if you want you can just do your own like redesigns of websites but use like ux process don't just go on and like make it pretty like use talk to people make people actually use the, the site think about the difficulties they have navigating and then um use ux processes to make improvements to the site um so yeah i would say like i th i think generally the avenue is i don't want to say like go freelance and don't apply for jobs because you never know like who will give you a chance um, once you have like some sort of concept work, people will bring you in for interviews based on that sometimes. Um, but generally, they're going to want to see some sort of tangible work um, and they'll want it to be shipped. That's kind of the hard part of getting into design. Um, but yeah, I'd say that the traditional avenue is like getting real projects under your belt through either your personal network, through Slack, people posting work in Slack groups. Um, then once you do those jobs through those different avenues, then you'll have like a more solid foundation to start applying. But you can also do that and apply simultaneously. Um, right. But, uh, and I think stuff. that I think that what one thing that makes me think of is I have a friend that's in design that that just got in like a year or two years ago. I don't know what particular type of design, but I know that um, you know not too many people want to do this. But he he basically just posted online, "Hey, I'm you know." open to doing five design projects for free like in this certain you know niche or whatever and people reached out to him and he did them all for free to the best of his abilities but now he had a small portfolio that he could take to applying to bigger positions and show them what he did um and and he could leverage that in order to you know at least get an interview and then be able to talk himself into the job from there so um i think that that's you know kind of what you were saying in general anyways but mm -hmm. um but yeah man i i really appreciate all the, the the value you've been dropping today i think a lot of people um will enjoy this episode especially potential designers or current designers um and then anybody who's just never thought of designer product design before and is just listening to this episode because they support the culture talk show i think will enjoy it. not only your accent <laughs> but also you know your story and then also like i said some of the information you shared so 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to share some of your uh, social platforms that people can find you on so that they can follow you or reach out to you, whether that's if they have questions about product design or they just want to support you. Or I, I know you tweet a little bit about sports or maybe they just want to argue with you about sports. Who knows? But uh, if you want to if you want to drop your Twitter handle and any other social platforms or any other plugins, feel free. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I think the main I guess the main platform I use, uh, my Instagram is deactivated right now, but my, the main platform I use is, is Twitter. Um, and my handle is designer. So designer without an E. So D-E-S-I-G-N-R-D-R-E-W. Um, that's my handle on Twitter. And um, I guess like for my design, all my design stuff, you can just go to my, my, my website, which is Andrew Montgomery. Dot ca and then there'll be links to like my medium my dribble my behance um on there but yeah the, the best the best place to catch me is on twitter oh um and yeah i guess my my clubhouse handle as well is, is is designer with no e before the r drew so you can catch me um both both places with the same handle perfect and i will tag those below ladies and gentlemen if you were too slow to catch that <laughs> um so feel free to check out the description below for his social handles please follow him um support him support his journey ask him questions if you have any questions about design and again build out your guys's network Here, here's a start you know here's a start right now here's an individual that you've heard on a podcast he's accessible reach out and and, and contact him um again thank you drew i do want you to share one last thing and and the thing is well i want you to answer one last question and the question mm -hmm. is if it's your last day on earth, you're 975 years old, you've lived a long, long fruitful life, um, and your great-grandkids are sitting at your feet and they ask you, great-grandpa Drew, uh, what's one piece of advice on how to live life? And it's the last thing they'll remember you by. What's that piece of advice that you're going to give them? Yeah, I'd say never be afraid to take risks. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, at the end of the day, take as many risks as you, as you can. And I um, also like do what's best for you. I love it. I love it. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for tuning in to the Culture Talk Show. Drew, thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, have a blessed day. Um, I'm going to sign you guys off with, uh, what do I want to say? Let me say, how do I say bye? And um, all right, let's see what language do I want to use. Okay, we're going to say bye in Farsi. So we're signing off. Khodafes. I'm not going to